The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. Today's episode is sponsored by Elate Clean Cosmetics, toxin-free, cruelty-free, sustainably packaged vegan cosmetics. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today I'm thrilled to welcome to the show Helene Saucedo, author of the brand new book, Handful of Stars, a palmistry guidebook and handprinting kit. I do get questions from time to time about palm reading, but to be honest, I haven't had any direct experience with it, so I was definitely intrigued when a student emailed me a question about palm reading the very same day I discovered Helene's book. I was fortunate to receive an advanced copy and set up an interview to ask Helene more about it. We connected online. Helene was in studio at the Lighter Side Network in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Helene. Uh, would you tell us, please, what identities do you lead with? I am a queer, magical mama, and creative unicorn. <laughs> so I say creative unicorn because that's what I have updated my LinkedIn profile to say. And um, it's just because I'm in this realm of art and spirituality that I feel like I it's it's not a role that too many people play. And I um, I just really like unicorns, so... I hear I hear unicorn is a growth industry. And so oh, that's, a, <laughs> that's what it means. Sending. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So how did you get into palm reading? It it sounds pretty niche. Like did did you take a class? Did you have a mentor? How did how did you start? There is a big story behind how I got into palm reading. And it is one of my favorite ones to tell because I um it was a story of transformation. Um you know, a lot of people that get palm readings are in that space where they don't know what's next for them or they're stuck or they feel something coming and and they don't know what it is. And I definitely went through that in my journey to become a palm reader. Um, two years ago, I was married to a man. I had just moved from um, New York City where I was an art director at a publishing company. Um, also, I worked in a fashion um, area as well. But I was pregnant and I wanted to move back near family to have my baby and just have a calmer lifestyle. Um, but that didn't go quite as planned. The baby, it was a pretty traumatic delivery and um, the recovery was very intense and it was just a lot of trauma for me. Um, and that took me through about that big full moon eclipse in 2017. I think it was at the right at the end of August, you know, everybody was buying their glasses <laughs> and all that. Um, and something happened during that eclipse where I was just like, if I don't get out of this life, I'm going to be miserable. Like I was um, a very isolated stay at home mother and I didn't have sexual attraction to my husband. Um, and that's just kind of to say the least. So I was in that spot. I, I left my husband, um, because I, I just all of a sudden I had this realization that I was queer. I was coming out and I couldn't do that anymore. But I didn't have any kind of um, safety net for myself. I had left a career in design and art direction, but I did not want to go back to it, especially with a child, because I just felt it was so draining. I would have panic attacks on my way to work. And to me, that was my body's way of saying, this isn't for you. Um, so I went through this process of asking, you know, the tarot readers and all my friends, what am I supposed to do? And they would all tell me their hits were design. You should keep doing design. And I, I didn't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there was, I was getting my hair done 
um, by my friend Julie drinking some wine and I was about to go to New Orleans um, just on a trip and I was thinking about what Atlanta have. We have a very strong metaphysical community, a lot of tarot readers, a lot of Reiki practitioners, mediums, etc. But we didn't have a palm reader. And that's what I think of when I think about New Orleans is those palm readers on the square. So I was like, what is that about? Maybe I'll do that. And my friend said, oh, that sounds like so much fun. I'm going to have a Christmas pop-up. You should do it there. Um, And I was just like, okay, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Um, I did go to New Orleans. I got my palm read down there. And um, it it wasn't the experience I, I wanted it to be, but I did buy books and I had to learn really quickly before that Christmas pop-up. I think I had like two weeks. So um, if you see the book I have coming out, it's centered around a kit in which you print your own hand on a purple piece of paper and then you mark up what you do as you go through your reading. And I created that sheet as a cheat sheet for myself using my design skills Um just so that I would know how to approach a reading. Because if you looked at the, if you look at any palm reading books in the stores right now, they're either like really big and and old, like from the 1800s, just <laughs> and super, super intense. There's so much to look at. Um, and so I just narrowed it down to the nitty gritty. Like what would a person want to know? And what says the most, you know, um, what what's, gives the best information in the most efficient way? So I, uh, after that first night of reading at that pop-up, it really just, people loved it. It was kind of like why people love getting their aura photograph taken because they like to leave with that something, that like memento. And I was getting the same response. So I just kept following that path. And I think three months in, people kept asking me for, how can I learn? This is so cool. I want to learn. What books do you recommend? And after that third question that third person that approached me I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) so after I got that third question that third person approached me I I thought can I can I do this can I write a book um and I I I just went back to an editor and I sent an email I said what do you think about this I don't want you to hook me up I just want your advice and they shot me off to an agent I flew up I read the agent's hand you know, two days after our email and it just, bam, bam, it happened that way. And so, um, I'm a palm so reader. <laughs> yeah. So that's how you got back into design. I'm really yes. struck by how you went to all the readers and <laughs> didn't like their response. So now as a palm reader, how do you deal with that now when you read somebody's hands and they're like, yeah, that doesn't make me happy. So I leave a lot of space for interpretation. I don't like to tell people yes or no. I like to give guidance when I give palm readings. I will give kind of like a basic, almost it almost becomes like a formula, you know, okay, you have these skills or these are the skills that I see in your hands. These are the archetypes I see in your hands. These are things that could work in that arena. Um, yeah, so my style is, I try to be very empowering. It's It's not... I don't like to tell people who they are, what they should do, that kind of thing. It's more like I hope through our connection and our conversation, they might get a breadcrumb to lead them, you know, or give them just a little more information. But it's never going to be, you need to be a a teacher and move to Bali or, you know, it's never going to be that specific. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I, I understand that 
it, the universe just doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> because here you are back doing design. Right. It's for your own project. That's what yeah. So and different. I'm, I'm all people, you know, you think about palm reading, you think about it being um, fortune telling or divination and people want to know their futures, but we're not supposed to know our future. And you, for everybody, you have to figure it out. You're the only person that can figure it out for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I'm surprised to learn that you're relatively new in the field because your introduction to the book w sounded very well researched. And I was quite pleased to hear that. I mean, there are a lot of pretty fluffy, pretty top line, um, you know, new age spirituality how-to books out there. So I, I really, I like I'm a history nerd and, mm. and uh, I love cross-cultural studies. So um, you mentioned in your book though, that different cultures have different interpretations of the lines. And, and I was kind of thinking about, it, it just reminded me of feng shui and vashtu. So you have the Chinese interpretations and the Indian interpretations of how you should manage energy in your space. And somehow they both work. I, I don't know if that's morphogenetic fields or what that is. I was curious if you found that there's sort of a Western school for people of European ancestry of palm reading. Like how do you as a reader um, discern and, and make sense of these differing cultural interpretations of the hands on uh, or the lines on the hands? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, one of my dreams is to have some kind of travel show, right? I get to have my palm read by all these different traditions because I would love to learn about how they view um, the hand. So in my book, I mentioned that palm reading starts in China and India. Um, and there is a lot of, of blurriness around exactly what that looked like. Um, I would love to go to China and India in the modern day and have my palm read because that is something that they do in those countries weekly. Like when I read somebody's palm and they say, when can I come back to you? I say, when something is, when you've changed, when you've transformed, when there's some things that have happened to your life. But they, they go in the, just by the week, they have appointments like we would a chiropractor or a doctor. Um, they read at subways. Very, very interesting. Um, their whole culture around that. And Indian does, does tend to go very um, Vedic. I have not had my palm read personally um, in any of these other ways, but um, I would I would love to. So my journey has been very isolated. I learned from books and um, from other palm readers, and I did take a couple classes. There are some very interesting Western schools um, in the States. One in particular, there is a book and technique called Life Prints, and it was created by Richard Unger, and it is telling your life purpose through fingerprints, which is hmm. fascinating. This man has studied thousands and thousands and thousands of hands to determine if we can find potential and life purpose in our fingerprints. I don't subscribe to all of the beliefs um, or processes, but um, I do like to be aware and I, I do use some of those techniques in my own. Hmm. It's super fascinating to me. Um, also fascinating, before reading your book, I hadn't realized how much information can be gleaned from um, other aspects of the hands beyond the lines on the palm. So what can we learn from hand shape and flexibility and how much, you know, the fingers bend when they're relaxed and that type of thing? There's so much you can learn from that. Um, so the term palm reader is actually a little outdated. A modern palm reader calls himself a hand analyst. And we are, I would, when I do my palm reading and when I guide um, a person through it in the book, the lines are the last thing that we look at. I build a reading um, 
from top level, kind of looking at the big picture. And by looking at the shape of the hand and the flexibility of the hand, the shapes of the different fingers, the thumb, there are some books that can go into the thumb. I mean, just there's so much just to say there. Um, so yeah, I start top level, work in and in the lines because they can be very specific and they all work on a timeline. So you can see markers of different life events um, on the hand. So just kind of broadly then, what does hand shape tell us? So the shape of the hand represents one of the four elements. So earth, air, fire, water. Um, and I do find that a lot of times this lines up with our astrology. It doesn't have to be your sun sign. Oftentimes I'm seeing a pattern that it's the moon sign. Um, and sometimes it's an anomaly. It's like your hand doesn't represent. <laughs> so then what does that mean? And, you know, I just work with a person. It's a different part of our personality that's showing in a different way in our hand. Hmm. And what about flexibility? As a person who often feels a little tight and I just am like, oh, that's just stress. I, I, I thought, oh, that's so interesting because you also talk about how the lines of the hands can change. So, I, so then I was like, oh, maybe if I change my flexibility, I can change other things too. Like what does flexibility have to do with it? So every time uh, the flexibility comes up and I read for a lot of yogis, it becomes like, <laughs> you know, like they're really pushing it. Like, look how much I can flex. But honestly, you don't want it to flex as much as that. So there's three levels of flexibility. And the way that you read it is by putting your elbow on the table and then pulling back gently on your fingers. If you can't pull back much at all, that's stiff, um, you know, a little bit more like an inch or so, that's somewhat flexible. Um, but if you're one of those double jointed folks who can have their fingers touch the bottom of their arm, um, that's very flexible. And what it measures is how much structure you need in your day to day life to feel comfortable. And there's a lot of interpretations for that. But I would say if you have a stiffer hand, it's just because you thrive in structure, you like to know what's coming, you like to plan. And um, anything that that might, you know, come up to challenge that would challenge you. So um, the people that are double jointed, they could, I always say they could like live on a beach and like they don't need 401k. They don't, they don't subscribe to structure in a traditional way. I'm thinking of some of the kids in elementary school who'd be like, look how double jointed I am. I think like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> what about, um, there's also a part where you just sort of relax your hand and you see how much your fingers are naturally bending. What does that mean? Yes, so um, there are two major um, ways to approach traditional palm reading. The first way is looking at the lines. The second way is looking at the mounts in the hands. And the mounts, short for mountains, and they represent the pieces that go around just under the fingers and around the outsides of the hands. Um, so I'll look to see which of those fleshy pieces are taller than the rest um, to determine what natural or innate archetypes are gifts of you. So um, I will look at that and say, okay, you're creative or you're a healer, you're very confident, but then I will have somebody shake out their hand and hold it up relaxed and see what's happening with the fingers because the fingers are extensions of these archetypes. If uh, let's say your pointer finger is bent, that's an extension of the Mount of Jupiter and Jupiter is ambition and confidence and a leader. So none of this is good or bad, but it might just be that that person's not feeling they're most confident or they're not trying to change the world that day. They're just kind of having a chill day. So it's very present moment archetypes. 
That, that part I found really fascinating. I think folks who are interested in archetypes or in astrology uh, might find a lot of really cool crossover. Yeah, The part where you read about the mounts. That was Definitely. fun. You also mentioned combining the hands for a better overall picture. So what does the non-dominant hand have to tell us about ourselves as a whole? Um, a lot. So we have our dominant hand. It's the hand that you write with. Um, for most people, that's the right hand. And then your non-dominant hand would be the opposite hand. For most people, they're left. When I take a print and read the hands, I mostly read off of the dominant hand because that represents you in the present moment, who you are, where you've been, maybe some where you're going type stuff. Um, the other hand, I, you know, some palm readers call it quote unquote, this, this hand of destiny. I like to look at them more like it's a book of your life. The dominant hand is the chapter you're in right now. And your recessive hand is the final chapter. So it knows everything that's going to happen, you know, from, from now to then it has this perspective and this wisdom. So it's usually the hand that, um, is a lot calmer about things where, where our dominant hand is more like, oh my gosh, I'm in life. What am I doing? What's happening? Who am I? <laughs> uh, so when I first um, have somebody sit down for a reading, I look at both hands. I'll ask them what they're, what hand they write with, oftentimes right, but sometimes I will read off the, the left because I get that intuitive hit or I, I just see more of that current struggle. And it's very interesting because um, a lot of people in our generation, they didn't let people like children be left-handed when they were younger. They trained them to be righties. So I always think about that when I'm looking at hands too. I'll say, if I'm getting a hit to go with the left hand, I'm like, can you do anything with your left hand? And oftentimes they can. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I see what happened here. And now a quick break to highlight our sponsor, Elite Clean Cosmetics. It's really easy for me to talk about Elate because they're absolutely 100% my product line of choice for makeup, and I'm a pretty low-maintenance kind of gal. The only cleanser I use on my face is water in a washcloth. I use almond oil to take my mascara off at night, and rosehip oil is my moisturizer, so I'm not exactly the first person who might leap to mind to talk about makeup, but, you know, I grew up in a two-bed, one-bath house with my great-grandma, my grandma, my mom, and my three aunties. Isabel, my grandmother, was really the matriarch, and she was a hairdresser and beautician, and she had a neighborhood beauty salon in her garage. So with seven mouths to feed, I'll tell you, she had to hustle. So between her salon services, uh, putting her daughters through beauty school to work in the salon, uh, selling Amway, hosting Color Me Beautiful workshops, and then, and then the tanning bed that she brought in in the late 80s. I'll tell you, she leveraged revenue per square foot of that garage like nobody's business. I was her model for the latest Amway makeup application tips from the time I was like eight years old. Two decades before YouTube was a thing, I was giving makeup tutorials to help rural ladies get the look of Kelly LeBrock and Paulina Poryshkova. So I know makeup, my friends. But as a person who also places a very high value on eating organic, wearing well-made clothes made of long-lasting materials, not putting chemicals on my body, reducing the amount of packaging waste that enters my home, and just really living with simple beauty, I love that I can still play around with looks when I feel like getting fancy, which is actually a lot more often than you might think. So I use Elate's 
sheer foundation, the under eye concealer, the face powder, the blushes, the eyeshadows, mascara, and I keep them all in their bamboo pro palette and you can fill that with any eyeshadows or powders or brow balm you like. Oh, I use the brow balm too. Love that. Um, and, and it's like mix and match, very low packaging. And they also have a capsule size palette for traveling. And best of all, you can also buy their perfectly imperfect palettes and tools. So that saves perfectly usable materials that might be kind of, you know, dented and dinged from winding up in the landfill. Everything is available online at elatecosmetics.ca. And right now, they have the most delicious looking deep rose and wine and apricot tones available from their fall collection, which is called Rise Together. The Rise Collection reminds us to strive to lend a hand and lift others around us as we've been lifted before. Working together to achieve a common goal, we can realize our dreams, fight for what we believe, and live our best lives. Collaboration can change the world, and there's so much more we can do, so much further we can go, when we all lend our voices to what we believe. Together, we can do so much more than alone. The Rise Collection features neutral pink and burgundy shades for all skin tones and identities. 1% of the late sales goes to help humans around the world with Plan International. And this autumn also marks the beginning of their partnership with One Tree Planted, and every order shipped will plant a tree. I personally would recommend that you also follow Elate Cosmetics on Instagram and watch some of the videos with their founder, Melody Reynolds, because seriously, every season that they launch a new collection, they create a little teaser video, and in it, Melody says like some inspiring thing and cries in it, and it makes me cry, and I love her love for the world and for its people and animals and plants so much. Like watching Melody makes me feel like a better person, like a version of myself I aspire to be. And Melody's a much softer, gentler person than my grandma Isabel was, but when I see Melody out there hustling to make the world a better place one lipstick at a time, I think of my grandma and of all the women who've connected over beauty rituals, who've, who've met each other because of Avon and Amway, entrepreneurs connecting with people in need who've risen together through mutual support. And today, women like Melody, who by the way, I would consider to be a very inspiring feminist to follow, they're making sure that everyone rises. So if you're a dark skin person, check out a late's range of foundation tones. Seriously, I think you'll be impressed. And, or if you're a masculine identified person who loves eyeliner and lipstick, scroll their Insta feed for ideas and looks for you. Again, you can buy all the products online at elatecosmetics.ca, E-L-A-T-E-C-O-S-M-E-T-I-C-S.ca. You might be surprised, and I know you'll be delighted with where Elate Cosmetics is leading the makeup industry. And now back to the show. Okay, so, whoa, this part actually in the book, you, you do talk about it a little bit, but I kind of latched onto this because I was like, oh no, how do we interpret the anomalies between the hands? Because I feel like I'm a person who's pretty attuned to my path, but then I look at my dominant hand and my head and heart lines start out connected, but totally not at all on my non-dominant hand. And then on my non-dominant hand, I have all these like, markings to the right or the outside of my hand 
like near my line of stability, but then they're fainter on my dominant hand. I started looking at the two and being like, yeah. what the hell? Like, so how, there how do be, I bring it, these it into really, It gets to be a lot when you're reading between the two hands. So I think that's why that part of my book might be a little bit shorter than the rest, because it's almost easier to kind of read two hands differently and then compare <laughs> and contrast. But there can be many different ways to interpret the two together. So uh, sometimes it's kind of a before and after, like, right? You know, your dominant hand is before, uh, your your non-dominant hand is the after. So um, you're talking about childhood, right? Where I'm ta- we're talking about the heart line and the headline, where it starts under the pointer finger. If it starts together or separate, um, together can be more of like a, an internal journey through childhood or a, a sheltered journey through childhood. Separate is very free. Um, and that is a tricky one to interpret between the two hands. Um, a lot of times it's healing, like maybe there was some stuff in in childhood, um, but you have worked and moved past that. And so you have, you know, kind of released yourself from that area. Um, sometimes it's an internal external thing. So um, you're talking about lines on Luna, right? Is that what you're talking about? Like uh-huh. on the outside of the hand? Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be intuition and spirituality and mysticism. And if it's on your your left is your non-dominant, correct? That's your right. left hand, you have still have some some things coming for you in that area, some some hmm. lessons or some transformations or some growth, um, because all lines are energy on the hand. So. Um, I particularly are... enjoy your interpretation of my uh, early childhood versus later and feeling free. I'm like, yes, that is what I'm going to focus on. <laughs> I enjoy that. That's, that Good. sounds about right. <laughs> I'm always looking for the hope and the healing. That's what palm reading and, and hand analysis is to me is it's very hope based. Um, so I know you did mention your line of stability. Um, in your notes for us to talk about stability mm-hmm. is the line that comes at the center of the hand. Um, and you had said yours hit the headline and then kind of faded out. Mm-hmm. So that is my favorite line to read. It's also called the line of fate. And that talks about um, how you create your life and this overall feeling of safety in the world in terms of not just career and finances, but just in your environment. And a lot of us don't have that ex- confidence of like, everything's going to be okay. So that's often the line that is very solid in the non-dominant hand and not so not so solid in the um, the dominant hand, and that's the interpretation for that. If it's if it's kind of fades out, it's because you still have some of your path, some of your work, some of your journey to figure out. Where your non-dominant hand knows what that looks like. Wow. Okay. So I, I'm sure our listeners can start to see how fun this is and keep like looking down at their hands, which I'm doing the whole time. So, so you and I have never met before. It's not like we've followed each other forever on Instagram or anything. So you don't really know who I am. Um, but this show has a lot of regular listeners who I think would be able to describe me pretty well. So I um, didn't have the whole kit to make you a print. I just followed the guidelines in your book and I sent you just some basic information following those guidelines about like my flexibility and my thumb and, and, um, the shape of the hand, the dominant mounts, um, the head, heart, life stability lines, a few other notables. So, um, let's give it a shot. Just, just from the notes, how would you describe me, Helene? Okay. So, um, There's a lot of balance in your hands, the flexibility being standard, the thumb size being average, the logic being um, equal to well. That's a lot of earthy, balanced, grounded, 
qualities, a lot of, um, you know, planning before you do things, um, foresight, um, your long middle finger, long Saturn finger, that's work ethic. Um, <laughs> that can yep. be good or bad. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how, yeah, that, that works for you. Some, some of these things, it's, it can be extreme, you know, like, um, just to just bypass this for a second, um, the amount of Venus on the hand, which is right next to the thumb. If, if that's large, if that's one of your dominant mounts, that's someone who really wants to enjoy, um, the beautiful things in life, experiences, food, culture, all that good stuff. But if it's really big, that can be someone who's overindulgent and they just live for pleasure. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you're working too hard, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else. Heartline, balanced but short. Again, that's that's um, you know what you want. Like there's a lot of, of an emotional intelligence in your hand, a lot of healing in your hand. Um, but again, a lot of of groundedness. What is your sign? I need to know. I'm a Scorpio. Okay, that's your rising, your sun. Yes. Okay. And okay. so, what does it mean that my Venus and Apollo mounts are the same? They're the same. They're, they're the same height. And height. They're both very high and firm. Those are my. That's my favorite personally. I I like meeting people who have those um, as their dominant mounts. That's a lot of loving beauty. A lot of looking for the good stuff in life. A lot of healing. So Apollo, um, you know, these are all archetypes based on mythology. Apollo was the god of um, the arts and medicine. So it's creativity and or healing. And oftentimes those those are both present in a person. Um, and then Venus, again, that's also known as Aphrodite, love, but just like really wanting to enjoy life. So um, it's interesting, everything on the bottom of the hand, which is going to be Venus next to the thumb and then Luna at the bottom underneath the pinky, that's all emotional stuff. Um, so having that Venus is having that like emotional depth, wanting to help people, wanting, you know, that like reciprocation or that connection with humankind, you know, humanity, that kind of thing. And then the healing and creativity in Apollo can be more, um, more practical, like more like career type stuff or like purpose stuff. Like this is what I want to do with my life. Mm. You said some interesting things in the book too, about the spirit line, which is one that I hadn't heard of. And I was like, Oh, I have this like trident shape. You, you have like good little drawings of stuff. Yes. What, what does that mean? So, um, the typical hand will have spirit guides right under the first finger on the outside of the hand. And they'll have like three or four little marks. They just look like notches in a tree. I have three myself. Um, but this was um, a gift of my journey was figuring out what it means when one of these lines opens at the end or has a trident or looks like, it kind of looks like a sideways Y. Um, and this came to me when I, well, I read two mediums in one day and I saw this mark and I, I, was like, this has to mean something. Why am I seeing this on two mediums? And I realized it was an opening to the spirit world or or to having, um, you know, signs come through, that kind of thing. So I call it the mark of the medium. It doesn't necessarily mean you're channeling, um, but that you have the potential uh, or that you have a belief or a connection to things we don't see. Mm, yeah, it was, it was very sweet, actually, reading that uh, part of the book, and it felt affirming and kind of a low-key kind of way. Yeah. I liked that. So, okay, so what does all this information um, teach us about ourselves? Like, how is this useful? 
Yes, that is a great question. So um, I look at it as just another one of these metaphysical mythologies like tarot or astrology where um, it is a mirror and you'll take from it what you want. Oftentimes people will take the thing that um, hits close to home. It's not, it's not always the positive message, but you know, I think it's all food for thought. It's all, okay, how do I feel about that? Where can I take this? And is this a, did I receive a breadcrumb on my, my journey? And a lot of times um, there's some really tough conversations that come out of my palm readings and those people just want to be seen and they don't want judgment and they just want to be in a safe space. Um, I read out of a vintage camper. It's really cute. It's pink mm-hmm. inside and like unicorn themed. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can and, see that on Instagram. It's super cute. Um, yeah, and they just want someone who holds space. And and that's my favorite thing to do. I have no judgments um, at all. And yeah, it's I, I intend for it to be fun. I don't I am very careful um, about ethics with palm reading. I don't want to say anything or guide someone that in a way that might cause them to manifest something that is not, that was not already intended for them. Like I understand people that go to readers, they're usually in a vulnerable spot and you can hold a power, you know, to, to change things always, sometimes not in a good way. So for me, I hope that my connection with somebody can can give them hope when they go back into their daily lives. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know what that's like to um, be working mostly with people who are in a space of vulnerability and um, perhaps low self-confidence, or, you know, sometimes they're really dealing with very deep entrenched patterns, trauma from this lifetime, intergenerational trauma. And they're like, what? <laughs> like they've tried everything. Um, and you know, I know that sometimes that can um, sort of give us front row seats to some of the most, you know, outrageous, infuriating, and and sad uh, aspects of um, life in these times. As we're winding up the show here, I'm curious about your own personal spiritual practices and processes. How do you personally cope with your own grief and rage about uh, the world and the times we live in? So I think that the actually my job, my career right now, this palm reading journey, um, it it really helps me to see the light that I put out into the world. Of course, it's on a, a very small basis um, in, and only in Atlanta, Georgia most of the time. Um, but just having this feeling that I'm having some kind of positive impact on the daily lives of the people in our society, um, the more light that's out there, the more you know, we can overpower the, the stark cloud that is kind of upon us right now. Um, but personally, I have to have my own, you know, my own ways to deal with things. And it's music. I get in my car and I rock out. I am I am always like, oh, gosh, if anybody I know is driving next to me, <laughs> I'm going to be so embarrassed. But I, I just love singing loud. I can't sing with anything. But... <laughs> that sounds so good. Yeah, very embodied, which sounds very appropriate yes. for a palm reader. And also animals. I am mm. such a sucker for animals. They're such great therapy. Um, I have two cats right now. They're Siamese cats. They're beautiful. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, this, yeah, kind of niche and very fascinating topic. And uh, I have found it really affirming. It's actually really fun. So I, th- I think it would be great for anybody who does want to sort of um, 
they want that mirror, but also just to remember who you really are and get exactly. the nudge to, to, to really live that particular life. I, I think your guidance is really straightforward and very, um, yeah, comes from a, a clearly loving place. So thanks so much for putting your work out into the world and also for taking the leap to take the risk to be like, okay, nobody's done this. I'm going to make it accessible. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that was so fun. Please check your local independent bookstore or ask them to order in Helene's book, Handful of Stars. It would be such a great gift kit for the spiritual seeker in your life this holiday season. I know I would want it. And you can see where Helene will be doing live palm readings at different events and festivals or book a palm reading with her by going to her website, handfulofstarsreadings.com. And that's handful with one F, right? One word, H-A-N-D-F-U-L of starsreadings.com. I want to thank Helene for taking the time to share so much of her knowledge and goodness with us today. And thank you for listening. It's been a while since I've done a listener shout out. I'd like to say thank you to all the listeners in Georgia. I know of at least four or five of you personally, but I have no idea who the almost hundred other listeners might be. But whoever you are, thank you for tuning in. I take it personally when people take the time. I appreciate you doing this. And a final thank you to this episode sponsor, Elate Clean Cosmetics. Check them out at elatecosmetics.ca. For links to Helene's website and the resources mentioned in this episode, check the show notes on my website, carmensbaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-B-A-G. NOLA. Until next time, take care.